0: God is good all All the the time. time. All the time.
1: God is good.
0: All right. God is
2: good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. He's got a testimony this morning. that line that says, I'm finding out the greatness of thy loving heart, Uh, when we're going through a hard time in life, a difficult time, a trial, are the times that we find out the greatness of his loving heart as he comforts us, as we allow him to comfort us and we give ourselves to Jesus and uh, come into that place of surrender, he comforts us beyond what any earthly thing, substance, whatever you want to call it, can, alcohol can numb, but it can't comfort Mm-hmm. um jesus can comfort he can be seated mm-hmm. Does anyone else have anything to share?
1: This next song, um, I just, I love it because I was thinking about, um, you know, when we all, when we get to heaven and we finally are there and um, worshiping around the throne, there's only going to be one person that we are going to be focused on, and that is Jesus. And, I want that to be my only focus today, my whole life, because when it's only Jesus nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if we go through really hard times or wonderful times are going to be times of blessing and sorrow and times of losing and times of gaining and times of plenty and times of of need. But it doesn't matter. If all as we want, all as we need is Jesus, um, and He is the only one that is going to be worthy enough to open the seal um, And we're just going to be singing this song, I think, for all eternity. He is the only one who is worthy.:
0: Let's all rise to our feet if you're able.. Uh. glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst?
2: It is.
0: Is it good that we remind ourselves of this?
2: It is. truly love us? He does.
0: Does the Spirit move among us?
2: He does.
0: And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves?
2: He does.
0: Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Jesus you are so worthy Lord God if we could only see the your your righteousness your holiness Mm -hmm. your purity Lord your perfection and Lord to think that yet you came and you walked this earth and you gave your life and you took our judgment and our sin on you Lord God you are worthy to open the scrolls Lord and to read Lord Jesus you are worthy we worship you this morning thank you you, Father Amen.
2: Drop it,
3: You can be seated. All right. We're going to have the children come forward. We're not going to actually sing this morning. We're not singing this morning. Family. Huh? Yeah, family devotions. We're not singing. Yeah, Addie, actually, thanks for staying up here. Brandon, I actually want you to seeing as We got to have the drummer. Um, and I gotta have my coffee. Thanks. Just hold him on a minute. Uh, okay. So we got all boys this morning. Where's Michael? Come on, Michael. So we got all boys this morning, and my wife had come up with this, <clears throat> or she had thought of a children's lesson, and I was like, no, because there's no girls, and and so it didn't spark with what I wanted to do. What does the Bible do? Anybody think of a verse in the Bible that talks about a race? Any adults? Oh. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For what? Why are we running? For the joy set before him... Well, that's not for us, but we're running to win. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so what we're going to do is, we're going to all line up out here, and we're going to run to that fence and back. All right? Okay, here we go. Okay, all line up right on the edge of the concrete. Yep, you're going to race too. Why were you uh, racing in Do I
2: race uh, to win?
3: Do we uh, race you're, uh, you're racing. Are you racing to win? That's what the verse says. So, on your mark. Good set. Go. Run, Benny. Go. Blakey.
2: Go, Go, Linky.
3: Woo hoo. Come on, run. Run. Run.
2: Come on, Benny and Lukey, come on! Woo! Woo! Woo Woo! All right. So let's run, let's come back in here. <laughs>
3: Okay, that was a good church service. Okay, so as what is it, What is a race representing? No, okay, in our Christian life, so just, in our Christian life, what is it representing? Okay, strength what's it does it represent anything to you when you think of your Christian life what does it represent a trophy trophy at the end which is what what is in our Christian life what is the trophy heaven okay anything else huh losing is there is there a loser Is there a loser? (laughs) Who was second place? Brandon was, so you're first place loser. Alright, so in our Christian life we're all running towards what? What are our eyes focused on? The goal which is who? Christ, right? Did he show us how to run that race? (laughs)
4: <laughs>
3: did, you, did Jesus come to earth did he run the race how did he run it the, right, the best way like we, all can, we are all attaining to run it as Jesus did but can we can we run it as Jesus did huh. I'm going to have to do more training around my house yes we can through what the power of the Holy Spirit helping us Right? Through that, we can run the same race. Now Brad, Brad's on a football team in flag football. It's more character building for dad than it is for son, because his coach is all about everyone winning, and everyone getting to play every position, and it doesn't matter if you win or score, it's only about everybody doing everything. And it's really hard for me, because I try to win. And I, if you know me at all in sports, I am going to give it everything I got to win. And so watching this drives me crazy. But this is also what kind of started this thought process a little bit today. Is how we are all winners. As we run the Christian life together as Christians, we're all winners. If we succeed at what? Getting to that finish line, which is death and victory in Christ. And I hate the term, everybody's a winner. But in this, it's true. We're all winners. We're all winners in Christ. As we run a race, whether Addison comes in first, or Blake or Benny comes in last, you all won. You all finished the race. Now, I want you guys to come out here. Uh, Let me see. Just stand right there where you can see that screen. If you can stand right there, Addison. Go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead and play that clip. I got two clips I want to show you two illustrations what do you think he was doing? painting? Painting. Well, no, but he was running a race, right? Looks like they're all running a race. But yes, I think he's pretty exhausted. He made it across the finish line. Now, you can pause it now. Did anyone notice the guy in blue that ran past him? Isn't that interesting? Who'd you notice? That's right. Nobody noticed the guy that just blew right past him in blue. But we all noticed the guy who stopped to help. Isn't that interesting? This is what we are as Christians. We are the assistance that we can give. It's not only about us running, but it's also about us helping others to win. See, you getting, getting my drift here now? You're starting to understand what I'm talking about? We're all winners. That guy in white that ran there and helped that guy is a bigger winner in my book than the guy in blue that blew right past. And in God's eyes, I believe he was a bigger winner too. See, this is the race we're winning. Running it to win. Now, this just doesn't come with fainting. This next clip I want to show you brings a different aspect to this. And I hope each one of us can have the joy that this little boy has. I'm not sure exactly how it 100% pertains, but it was too good a clip not to put in here. (laughs) But it does pertain because God loves each one of us, and each one of us has our place in this race. Whether we see it or not, each one of us has our place in running the race for God. Whether we are super smart, or kooky, no. Maybe we don't have as much, but does that mean that we're not important? Does our race not matter? No, it still matters. It still matters because we're doing it to the best of what God has given us to do it with. Go ahead and play the next one. Oh, gotta love YouTube. This little boy loves the Bruins hockey team. (laughs) He's excited. Do you think he's special? I have a very special place in my heart for Down syndrome children. I grew up with a boy. He's my age, and he's a little bit younger than me, like maybe eight, nine months younger than me. Was Down syndrome. I grew up with him my whole life. And that guy had the biggest heart. There, did you ever know how strong Down syndrome children are? Have you ever met one? They are. God gave them guys so much strength. They are so strong. And that guy would never let anybody lose. Because his heart was never in that. If you raced and fell down, he was the first one to grab you. He was the first one to come back. Because his mind wasn't on actually winning. His heart was too big for that. That's this little boy right here. I just I love the aspect of what God shows us in special people. Now you learn anything? All right. Phil. So, you wanna race again? Okay. Let's go see what you learn. I want you to scoop up Benny and run with him. I want you to go and run with Lukey and encourage him the whole way fast and back and forth.
2: his hand and pull him along, you
3: don't have to carry him, Benny, just grab his hand. On your mark, get set, go! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brandon, grab
4: him. Brandon
3: learned something. He knows
2: something. Go, Benny, Come on, Benny! Come on, Benny! <laughs> Come on, Lukey. You got this.
3: Come on. Come on. I'm gonna leave you with one verse here. There's a verse in the Bible that also talks about bearing one another burden. Benny, did you do better in that race? <gasps> wow. Are you out of breath? Are you out of breath? Brad, Brad beat you.
2: No, I did. Huh. Uh uh-uh. uh. The
3: only one that beat you is Michael. Did, did how did you win? how did you almost won? How? Oh, they carried you, Ah, I think they got the lesson. They were going to make sure you were going to come in a lot further up the race. That's what we do with each other. We encourage each other. Sometimes we carry each other. So when you see someone down, when you see someone sad, what is our, what is our purpose? To encourage them, right? Can we do that with each other? All right, the Bible talks about uh, bearing one another's burdens. But God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Don't forget that. Hebrews 6.10. Thank you. You guys are good runners.
0: They gave us several options. Um, one was a drug called methotrexate, uh, which basically is a chemo-type drug. Um, and they, they didn't find a heartbeat. It seemed like the, we don't believe, and they don't believe there's a baby. The baby probably has passed away, um, and that's kind of a crazy thought that we have uh, someone who's with the Lord. Um, but anyways... It's been a, a rough few weeks, but um, there's still a massive tissue that, comparing the two ultrasounds that we've done, is still growing, and that can happen um, sometimes when a baby dies. Uh, the, t- the tissue will still keep growing if it's um, a certain way. So uh, we have, according to the doctor, we have uh, a few options. Um, One is expectant waiting, where we just wait and see if the body will take care of it. The other one is the drug, um, which is a terrible drug. It's an ugly drug. We don't want to do that. Um, And the third option is surgery. And so the problem with waiting, we can wait, but if the tissue grows to the point where all of a sudden she's in a lot of pain, we have to rush into emergency surgery. So I just like, um, I was thinking about it this week and I thought, why don't we just gather around and uh, anoint her and pray for her, pray that the Lord will just take care of it, that her body will uh, heal and, and absorb the, the tissue of what's left um, and the Lord will just take care of it. So, and if we have to do surgery, we trust the Lord will bring us through it. We're not worried or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, so why don't you come up, Brother Phil and, and John. and. And all the ladies, anyone who wants to really, come on up, Carrie. And we, yeah, we're, we're going in tomorrow for another ultrasound to find out what's happening. So, um,
4: go ahead and,
5: and sit down.
0: And uh, you, you can lead out in prayer, bro.
5: I'll lead out and then each one of you can uh, go ahead and pray as you feel led and then we'll anoint her with oil. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this moment. You knew, Lord, even before Lori was born and Jason was born, that they would be here today before your throne of grace, asking for help in their time of need. And Lord, you instructed us to come in James. You told us that if anyone is sick, let them ask for the elders of the church to come and anoint them with, uh, uh, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the faith will raise them up. And so, Father, irregardless of how our human bodies respond, we believe that word that our faith in you will raise up our spirits and any sins lord that we have committed will be forgiven lord jesus will stand clean and pure and holy in your sight and also lord jesus our spirits will be raised up in newness of life and i pray that for laurie I pray that for Jason together as a couple before you Lord that as we commit Laurie's physical body into your loving hands that their spirits would be raised up in the power of the Holy Spirit that same power that raised up the body of Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells within us Romans 8 tells us and I pray that they would experience a renewed power of your holy spirit in their inner man and you would raise them up and also lord that you would touch laurie's physical body and heal her and bring her to fullness lord jesus that you lord jesus would be honored exalted and she would be strengthened and lord as a couple they would stand before you father as they minister your word to your people as they are vessels of honor that you use in your kingdom Oh, Father, that they also, Lord Jesus, would be blessed with your blessing of grace and peace in their hearts. They would be able to rest, as we sang this morning rest in you. We bless you for them, Father, and we prayed you would touch them this morning and heal, Lori, in Jesus' name.
0: Lord, I lift up my wife to you this morning and God thank you for the gift of life and love, uh, marriage and all that entails Lord Jesus we thank you for this precious little one who's in your presence Lord and we thank you for the hope that we have um, that throughout eternity, Lord no more death, no more pain, just being with you forever and together with each other Lord and um, God I just lift up her body Lord we trust you this morning, we trust that you work all things for good and, Lord, we don't know the future, but you do. And God, but, God, I pray that you would touch her body, mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have to undergo a major medical procedure. Lord, that her body would just uh, absorb the tissue. And, and, and we just pray that in Jesus' name, Lord. I ask for your will to be done. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so
1: much for the gift of Jason and Lori and for bringing them into our lives and into our hearts. And Father, I just pray that you would um, heal Laurie's body. And God, that you would take care of it completely. That they would always be able to look back at this time as a time of miracles and answered prayer. And Father, we will trust you and we will love you no matter what the outcome because we know that you know what is best for us but we ask in faith because we know without a shadow of a doubt that you can do this
4: so easily
1: and so i just pray that you would Um, and god i thank you so much for the gift of life and i pray that you would bless them again with life and father that you would just um, protect lori during this time and all the health issues that she has had in her life. I pray, God, that this would be a time of healing and um, that going forward, Father, that um, it, would, it would not be the same as it has been in the past, that you would heal her heart and everything, Father. Um, I know you, you long to and you desire to. I pray that you would. But in the process, God, I know that you are working something so beautiful in her heart, and I thank you for that and the testimony that she is to us of um, the joy and the beauty that there can come from such deep suffering thank you for that testimony that she has been to each one of us. God I pray that you would help her mentally and emotionally, spiritually that you would supply her every need for every day and God that her thoughts would be full of how good you are to her, how much you love her and how much She is cared by you as her father and that the devil would not be able to bring any doubts and any confusion, any um, worries or fears, but that they would all be lifted in Jesus' name.
6: We love you, Jesus. Lord, thank you
1: so much for Lori and Jay and
6: the testimony of your love and grace and sustenance, Lord, and how that you have sustained them through this the last couple weeks, and just many decisions and uh, things that they are facing. Father, I know that you can um, show them a way forward, and I pray that you would do that. And Lord, most of all, we ask in faith that you would heal Lori, and that her body could do naturally, Lord, what needs to be done, that she could stay um, in health and strength, Lord, and that you would... Continue to lift her up with your promises. Father, we know that you are a great father and you do not let us wander alone, Lord, during these uh, difficult times. And I thank you for her uh, husband that, that he's able to lift her up as well strengthen her and in your word when she comes. Um, father, we're discerning your will here for her body. I just pray that you do a thing today.
5: And to go forth in peace, and um, you keep her in and... yeah. so thank you for Lori, Jason, Lord.
2: Thank you, Lord, for Lori's heart, Lord. She has to help women, Lord, with the Amen.
5: sweet deliveries of babies in the past, Lord, and help many women. And now, Lord, we ask that you would help Lori. Lord. We know you're a heavenly Father that wants to do that. Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Where two or three are gathered together in your name, here you are in our midst, Lord. We're not here by ourselves. You're right here. We
2: thank you. Now we ask, Lord, you would heal Lord, Lord, from all this, Lord, discouragement,
6: whatever sets in our hearts.
5: We just pray that your will would be done. Yes, Father, we we also pray that you would bless laurie and jason with children father i pray that you would do miracle after miracle for them you already have done miracles in their lives you are the miracle working jesus the same yesterday today and forever and you enjoy and love to do miracles Physical miracles in our bodies just as you ministered as you walked on the earth So you still minister today? according to your will and your purposes in our lives and we pray for that divine Miracle of the gift of life that you would give to them Lord as a couple so that they can Lord Jesus bring up these little souls in the fear of God and Lord Jesus that they also Lord Jesus can take children and not only bring them up in your fear but send them out into the world as ambassadors and missionaries for Jesus Christ so I pray that you would bless them as they walk with you and in their married life and that you would give them many children in Jesus name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in obedience to His Word in James chapter 5. And in that faith, we anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed. And to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. here, and I'll pray with you, and then you can grab the Bible and share the Word with us. We're blessed to have Brother John here again, John Olive, John and Penny, share the Word with us. And so let's pray together, and then you can share the Word. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for my brother John, and the gift and passion, and the love that he has for your Word, and the gift you've given to him for sharing that Word in a living Uh, A way that ministers grace and truth to our hearts and I pray you would do it again with this vessel Lord that you've created these earthen vessels you love to pour out your very presence and your Holy Spirit and your living word through these earthen vessels to encourage and build up the Saints and to defeat the devil and to advance the kingdom of God in this world I pray you would do it again for our dear brother in Jesus' name. Amen. See,
7: See, am I on now? How's that sound? Good? Okay. All right, Um, before I begin I want to just recognize uh, Mike and Tanya Wheeler. Um, I met Mike in I believe it was 2006. Um, I was a federal probation officer at the time in Cheyenne and uh, Mike was one of the gentlemen who came through the system, and I wrote his pre-sentence report, Mike uh, had had become a Christian when he first came to jail. And when he found out how much time he was looking at, he became trapped in despair and was determined to kill himself. And in fact, he had made a, a vow that as soon as he got off suicide watch in county jail, that the first opportunity he had, he would, he would kill himself. And the first opportunity he had to get out of, uh, off suicide watch was to go to a phone interview with me. And during that interview, it became very clear through the Holy Spirit that I was to share my testimony with Mike about how I had overcome a lot of suicidal thoughts when I was a teenager and how the Lord has set me free from that. And I don't do that, especially not with people that <laughs> I met, haven't met on, and here the, I was on the phone, but it was, it was extremely clear that I was supposed to do that. And, and Mike uh, found hope through that conversation and uh, became a committed disciple like few I have seen. He uh, was in prison, I believe, for six years. He led numerous Bible studies. He led many people to the Lord while he was in prison. When he got out, he moved to Cheyenne. And we ministered together until he met his lovely wife, Tanya, who uh, lives in the Front Range here. And they had been married now for how many years, Mike? Eight, eight years um, He's never relapsed He's never lost his, his faith He's never walked away from the Lord He is uh, he's, he's why we live as Christians Is to be able to reach and touch people like Mike And I am so pleased to be able to call him my brother in Christ And uh, so I just wanted to share a little bit of that background So you know who Mike Wheeler is um, Alright, so the, uh, the title of this message I, I've, I've been very amiss about <laughs> not giving y'all titles for my messages So this would be The Lamb of God in Genesis um, when, we, uh, when we look at um, John chapter 1 And the uh, statement that, that John makes when he sees Jesus for the first time, uh, he says, uh, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." We all know, you know, the Lamb of God. We we read Revelation. We know what you know how pre- prevalent this is throughout the New Testament. So it's like, yeah, when the Lamb of God. But think about it from his perspective. Okay, you know, he didn't have the New Testament. All he had was the Old Testament, and he makes the statement, "This is the Lamb of God." So Lamb of God, well, where would that come from in the Old Testament? Um, you could think about Exodus. You think about the Passover lamb and uh, all that that symbolizes. But no one would really think that the Passover lamb was, was a rehearsal for something. Uh, they would think of it as a celebration of their deliverance from Egypt and they were looking backwards. So John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, making this weird reference to the Passover lamb. Okay, well, so let's think about Isaiah 53, where it talks about the suffering servant who will be cut off for the sins of his people, like a lamb he's led to slaughter. He doesn't open his mouth. So maybe there's a little connection there, but still that's kind of a reach. The lamb of God. If you don't have the New Testament, that is a strange concept. But this whole book is about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world from start to finish. It is just as prevalent in Genesis as it is ever going to be in Revelation or anywhere in between. And so what I want to do is uh, just take you back to Genesis chapter 3. And look at some of the things that uh, the Lord shows us about this Lamb. My Bible is literally falling apart. I've got so many notes in it. Have you, you know, you got notes, you underline, you've got notes, you've got underlined. It's like one day, I guess I'll have to get another Bible. I mean, this thing is just like in, in tatters. I mean, this is it's like, oh my goodness. All right. Okay, chapter, chapter 3 of Genesis. I'm going to down to verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So the the first time that humanity is awakened to the notion that they have a separation between them and God and they have this shame and sense of distance, what they do is what humans will always do. They take it upon themselves to try to make a covering and hide themselves from God and make themselves presentable to him. So, sewing together fig leaves is a picture of religious works. It is the, uh, the fig tree with leaves but no fruit that Jesus cursed in the Gospels. Uh, it is the, all the efforts of man to hide himself from a holy God that are ineffective and can do nothing to bridge that separation that now exists. And so, right in this chapter, verse uh, 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. That is an amazing verse right there. I don't know if it, 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 I read this a long time before it dawned on me what that was all about how do you make coats of skin any idea kill an animal yeah you kill an animal you kill an animal and you take its skin and you make I mean I guess you can still see them mink coats and coyote coats and whatever else you might have but the animal has to die in order for its Coat to be made from it and so right here in the in the immediately after the fall of mankind we see God take a step to sacrifice an innocent life and make a covering for sinful mankind and this is maybe not the first picture of the of the cross in, in Genesis 3 but it's it's certainly a very startling one and the first reference to sacrifice an innocent sacrifice on behalf of man. That um, that animal was not identified. Um, it it probably wasn't a lamb. I'll, I'll digress a little bit here just to help help uh, flesh this out a little bit. But so when when God made the animals and let's look at Adam and Eve. Did he make infants? Were they infants? No, they were, they were both mature, fully equipped, functioning adults who could have children, right? And when, when God made all the other animals, that's how he would have done that too. He would have made fully adult animals capable of breeding and producing after their own kind, which was the universal requirement for everything God created that was living, was to be fruitful and multiply. So, um, we know that uh, the, the fall of man could not have happened very long after creation. And there's a, there's a really strong scientific case for that because, think about this, Adam and Eve had no curse, they didn't have any problems with their body, unlike some people do today, we didn't have any genetic Uh, problems, and they were told to be fruitful and multiply. So in the normal course of events, they would have gotten pregnant pretty quickly, within weeks, maybe a couple months. And yet we know that Eve never conceived a child prior to the fall, because there was never a, a child conceived or born that did not have a sin nature. And we're told that she conceived after the fall. So it had to have been very quick. Therefore, if this had been a sheep, there would have been no lambs yet to have to sacrifice. But as soon as the opportunity comes up where there is a lamb, that is the first sacrifice we see that is named in chapter four of uh, of Genesis. Uh, Picking up in verse one, now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell, and we know what happened. Uh, Cain eventually killed him. So the, the first time we see a man bring a sacrifice to God, it is a lamb. And it sets the pattern thereafter, throughout Scripture, of how God is satisfied. He wants a lamb, and that's because... That's the whole theme of this book is is that lamb that is the central uh, character uh in the bible now um, if you have uh, if you've ever studied genesis twenty two extensively uh, you'll you'll appreciate uh what I'm going to share. If you don't really know that much about Genesis 22, you're in for a blessing. (laughs) This is perhaps the most amazing chapter in the Old Testament. It is simply, there's there's no list of superlatives that can describe what God does in this chapter. It's baffled theologians because they don't understand what, uh, what's going on. Now, I just had a fly land on my head, but unlike Mike Pence, I felt this one and I brushed it off. So, just so, just so you know, if I feel a fly, I'm going to brush it off. I'm not going to become the butt of jokes like poor Mike. Um, all right, so let's just, I'm going I'm to read quite a bit of this passage like I did the first time I read it and the first 10 times I read it. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac uh, spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will... Provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham... And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And then there is a blessing that follows as a result of Abraham's obedience, uh, concluding in verse 18 with this verse, "In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And if we know anything about Galatians, we know that that is a reference uh, not to Abraham's physical descendants, but that is a reference directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that, is, um, that's, that was the, the gospel message. So, um, I don't know exactly when it was. It, it's been a number of years when God began to open my eyes about this chapter but the more that he has, the, the richer and deeper this gets uh, almost with every reading. So I think maybe the first thing that occurred to me one time as I was reading this was that, um, I, I, I don't know why, but I looked up the the, Greek, the the Hebrew words for lamb and ram. Okay, so lamb is seh, is S-E-H, if you were going to spell it in English. And ram is ayil, A Y I L. And they're completely different words. They have completely different meanings. And so it's like, because I always think, and you know, that, oh, yeah, yeah. So he didn't want Isaac to be sacrificed, and so he provided the lamb, which was this ram over here in the thicket. It's like, no, that's not right. That's not, that's not what this passage is talking about. The ram was not a lamb. The lamb is different than a ram. The ram was already provided. He was already sacrificed in place of Isaac. But look at the tents here. Uh, verse 14, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It's future tense. It's talking about a time in the future when the lamb will be provided. It hasn't already been provided. The ram is not the lamb. That was the, like, the, I think the first breakthrough I had. It's like, oh, there's something going on here. There's something really interesting about this passage. And then I ran across another piece of the puzzle. This is how the Lord opens up Scripture to you, you know, and you read a passage maybe a hundred times, and all of a sudden, something clicks, and He gives you an insight, and it begins to build and build until you are just engulfed in this search to find out what the Lord has hidden here. So, Moriah, Moriah, what's, what's you know, Mount Moriah, it's like, I don't know where Mount Moriah is, I can, I can tell you, well, you know, where... Uh, uh, Long's Peak is you know I can point that out from the interstate but Mount Moriah okay so I did some research Christians use everybody agrees where Mount Moriah is it is this and I've highlighted in yellow this long oh, Ridge for lack of a better word. It's not like a mountain peak It's a long ridge and it has little swales and it's got little peaks and one of those peaks right here in the middle is where the temple is of Jerusalem uh, so that was like the middle peak and then there's a little valley right here as it slopes off to the northwest this is north and there's a little valley right there and then it goes up to actually the highest part of Mount Moriah which is a little knoll that uh, we know as Golgotha and this is the old wall of Jerusalem right here and you can see that that Golgotha is just outside the wall. And so if you're thinking about how the animal had to be put outside the camp and suffer, and then that triggers Hebrew 13, where we have to go outside the camp to follow Christ, we can begin to get an idea of of what Mount Moriah is. So, So God sends Abraham to Mount Moriah, and he sends him to a particular point on Mount Moriah, that he can see a long ways off. So the, if you look at a long ridge, the, the part that's easiest to see is the tallest part. That's the part that jumps out at you. You know, when you look at Long's Peak, you don't look at some little sub-peak. You look at the tallest part. And so it's like, okay, wait a minute. So this is, this is um, providing a lamb in the future at the same place where Jesus is going to be sacrificed. That's oh, got to be a coincidence, right? I mean, it's just a coincidence. Oh, well, maybe not. Um, so then I started picking through some other things here. The, um, the word uh, for only son. Bring, take your son, your only son, Yachid in Hebrew. Yachid. Okay, so when if you look at a Hebrew New Testament and you look at what Jesus is called, he is called the Yachid of his father, his only son, his Yachid. It's the, same, it's the same name. All right. Okay, well, all right. Maybe that's all a coincidence. Okay. Now, um, Hebrews 12, or 11 rather, let's see. Hebrews 11 tells us something about Abraham. Now, you got to remember this. Abraham had already been he had already been told that he was going to have descendants, many descendants through Isaac. Already been told that by the time Genesis 22 rolls around. He has a promise from God that Isaac is going to have children. Okay? Now, he is told, I want you to go sacrifice your son Isaac. How would you reconcile those in your mind? Well, I'll tell you what Abraham did, because it's written down in Hebrews 11. That's how I know. Uh, verse 17 By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So let's, let's unpack what's going on here. Abraham is journeying to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son. And on the way there, he is thinking this. Okay. I have a promise from God that I'm going to have children through Isaac, and I also have a command to sacrifice Isaac, and I know God is faithful, and I know that this promise is not going to change. I'm going to have children through Isaac, even though I have to kill him. How is that possible? Well Abraham concluded the only way that that was possible, and what was going to happen was that. God was going to raise his son from the dead after he killed him. That is what he was thinking. That, my friends, is biblical faith. You want to talk about uh, having a saving faith? That is a faith that looks beyond the realm of what is normal and what is physically possible and puts your entire being's trust on that promise from the living God. And so Abraham was looking forward to a very unusual event, two of them. One was killing his own son, and the other one was watching God raise him back to life because he had to have children. God could not break his promise. Now, I'll show you that that is exactly Abraham's attitude right here from Genesis 22. Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And what does it say? And we will come back to you. He didn't say, I will come back to you. He said, we will come back to you. He knew that he had a command to kill his son. And he knew that it didn't, he didn't understand it. But both of them were coming back down off that mountain back to those guys waiting for them. Now that, folks, is rock-solid faith. All right, so um, now how long did this journey take for Abraham to get to Mount Moriah? Three days. For three days, his son was as good as dead to him. And at the end of the three days, when everything plays out, and he comes and he does not have to kill Isaac, Hebrews 11 tells us that figuratively he received his son back from the dead after three days. Are you you starting to get ready to dismiss this idea about coincidences? Do you understand that this is one of the most amazing prophecies that God ever put in his word? And that how many people have ever seen this? This is, if, if, if you ever get tempted or attacked for, it's like, well, that Bible's a bunch of nonsense. You remember Genesis 22. God scripted all this out long, long, long before. He showed us exactly where. He showed us how many days. He showed us how he was going to be killed. How, how was Abraham supposed to kill his son? How was he going to kill him? with a knife, he was going to be pierced to death. Does that ring a bell? Jesus was pierced through his hands and his feet and a spear thrust in his side. He was pierced to death. Exactly how Isaac was supposed to die. Now, um, so back to, um, <laughs> back to Ab- uh, Isaac's question. He said, you know, I got a Abraham, Isaac was probably 14 to 19. I'm not exactly sure how old he was at this point, but certainly old enough to be thinking uh, in a more mature fashion. And he has a question. He's like, we're supposed to go up here on this mountain and uh, offer a burnt offering. And uh, it's supposed to be a lamb. And we've got some stuff to make fire with, and we've got wood we don't have a lamb what's up with that dad (laughs) and dad says well um, now new King James says and my my son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering hmm but listen to what it says in the King James and I'm not exactly a huge King James fan but this is a little startling And it says, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And the uh, Geneva Bible, which actually preceded the King James by at least... uh, 100 years, uh, close to it, 60 years, uh, says pretty much the same thing. And so when you look at the Hebrew and try to study that out, there's kind of a confusing aspect to it. But you could say, especially from the King James, that God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Or if you think about that, God, God is saying, I will be the lamb. And that is exactly what happens. We hadn't even gotten there yet. Thank you, Jason. But it is absolutely another uh, thing to draw. And what Jason said is absolutely true. So when we look at um, verse 6, Abraham took the word of of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and the two of them went together. All right, so they went up Mount Moriah. Isaac is carrying the wood for the offering on his back, which again... You know, if you know anything about the Gospels and about what happened to Jesus, you'll see, okay, there's another confirmation that this is no accident. This is no coincidence. This is absolutely prophetic. And uh, it's like, well, yeah, but how does that affect me in my life today? (laughs) Well,
2: okay, Uh
7: let's see um, I don't know that's one for the da file I think I mean if God can so orchestrate events that he can replicate you know 2,000 years later what he's doing he can do anything what's what what he says over and over you know is anything too hard for me I am the Lord he says in, in Isaiah he says the reason you can know that I'm God is I am able to predict the future I'm paraphrasing but he says it several times in Isaiah like there is nobody who can predict the future except God now not you know Nostradamus could come up with a few generalizations but i'm talking about specific events god obviously is real and exists and is all powerful simply when you look at the 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 amazing similarities between Genesis 22 and what happens with, with, with Jesus, who, we're going to get back to John in a minute, uh, is the fulfillment of this specific uh, prophecy. And what kind of, what comes from this prophecy, what comes from the prophecy is, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. There is going to be a Yachid who is going to walk up this same hill And he is going to be that lamb. And he is going to shed his blood for all mankind. And anybody from every nation, tongue, and tribe, as we sung earlier, is going to be a member, if they are so willing, of his family. And that is what Genesis 22 is all about. Let me see if I have... uh, Missed anything. Um, the Lord will provide. The Lord is... Um, so. Okay, so, so here, here is an interesting aspect. Um, Abraham and, and God had a relationship with each other. Anybody know what that relationship was called? He was a friend of God, and they had a, they had a more legal name for that. What's that? Covenant. They were in covenant together. And if you know anything about covenant, you'll know that covenant partners can never ask a partner to do something that they aren't willing to do themselves. They are one. Marriage is a, is a covenant. Uh, the two become one. Any covenant in scripture, of the two become one. That is the covenant we have with the Lord Jesus. God and Abraham are in covenant with each other. That starts back in Genesis 15. And so God has asked his covenant partner to be willing to sacrifice his son. And Abraham answers the bell. He is more than willing to to do exactly what God has asked him to do, and that is sacrifice his yachid, his only begotten son. Now, as, as Abraham's covenant partner, at that point... God can do no less. He is under an obligation to Abraham to step up in kind and offer his yachid for Abraham and his seed. And so there is a, there's a lot of, of majestic power in Genesis 22 that um, is so deep and rich that uh, you, could, you could spend... Uh, months, years, uh, studying and appreciating the depths of the love that is in here, of Abraham for God and of God for mankind. Because through Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son, God was, was obligated to send his son to redeem us. It is a powerful, powerful message. And so when we get back to John, let's remember exactly what he's saying about this lamb because we need to know how to piece this together. So John 1 uh, verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And then, verse 14, And the Word, the Word who is God, becomes flesh and dwells among us. So now, we have the Word of God, who is God, dwelling in flesh, living among them. And of course, we know that that can only be uh, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John was saying this is the Lamb and he is God and he is here to suffer and die and take away our sin. And I don't know how many other people at that time in history knew what he was talking about, but they would eventually find out this was uh, a the fulfillment of the, the prophecy in Genesis 22 of how and where the lamb would come and take away our sin there are many many other passages in the old testament about the lamb and once we understand this one then those become uh, more easily understood like Exodus chapter 12 about the Passover lamb and Psalm 22, which talks about the uh, uh, the, the crucifixion. David is uh, prophetically experiencing what Jesus will feel on the cross. And uh, but to to make sense of those, Genesis 22 is sort of our foundation to give us a launching pad to understand what God was doing there. And uh, and and I just find it. Impossible to, to not believe in a sovereign, uh, holy, uh, amazing God when I read Genesis 22 and think about what happened because I realize that there is nothing beyond his control, uh, not COVID, not political elections, not persecution. There is nothing beyond the control of our God. He is mighty, and He is in power, and nothing escapes His notice, and He does all things well. And and so I just want to leave you with that encouragement that uh, if you are ever struggling with your faith, you know, which we get attacked from that from time to time, go back and read Genesis 22, and remember, no, my God is real, my God is on the throne, He has a plan, and He is my defender. And I love him and he loves me. And that is what I want to leave you with today. Thank you.
5: Yep. Pondering the words in Galatians and in Romans that those who are of the faith of Abraham are the sons of Abraham. And to have that same relationship with God that Abraham did is now offered to you and me. In James he tells us that he was called the friend of God because of his faith. And now every one of us who also believe God become God's friends. And when you spoke about a covenant and the difference that that made between Abraham and God, and that difference still is made for us, when we enter that covenant relationship with God is when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes that covenant. The bridegroom marries the bride, you and I. Now Isaiah 62 has a beautiful word a prophecy on this. That God will come to us. And he will enter this relationship with us. Of a covenant relationship. The bridegroom, we become his bride. Hosea talked about this. In Hosea chapter 2. God says, I will come to you and I will lure you to me out of your wilderness and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And just to kind of, uh, to say amen to what you heard, go to Genesis chapter 15. And before this, uh, God had been relating to Abraham. He called him out of his homeland Abraham had followed him out to a strange land, which was a very dangerous thing to do in those days. It was like the pioneers leaving New York and Boston and going out west to a land filled with other people who seen them as invaders and possible enemies and were ready to kill them, right? Many pioneers died, European pioneers, by Native American people when they began to go out west. Well, that's kind of how Abraham was going out to a land that was filled with people who were not his friends. And they didn't know what this man was up to. He was out of his land. But Abraham went. Up until this time, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. But after God entered a covenant with Abraham, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Abraham seen God. He met with him as a man talks to his friend. But God made this covenant in Genesis 15. He told Abraham, get these different animals together and come make a sacrifice to me. And this time, Abraham was not allowed to bring any fire. You can read it here in Genesis 15. Verse 17, And it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. This flaming oven is a fulfillment of Acts chapter 2. A prophecy of what happened when God, the Holy Spirit, came in Acts chapter 2 and made that covenant personal. To those 120 in the upper room. Who appeared as a flame of fire. What was his name? Someone tell me. The Holy Spirit came and indwelt in men for the first time on earth. In a way he had never done before made a covenant with them. I will dwell within you. All of Jesus' words became true. To those 120, because of the flame that God sent from heaven down to earth into their hearts. He shall baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist said. Dear brother, sister, still true today. God stands ready to make a covenant with every one of us. He's already done the offering, He's made the promise. But he wants to make it personal with you and me. Will you follow him with the faith of Abraham? Will you come and lay your life before him like Abraham did? And you'll notice in Genesis 15. That Abraham came. and He brought all these and he cut them in two. And he laid each on verse 10. Half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. And the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses. And Abraham drove them. Get out of here. God didn't come immediately. God said, come bring the stuff. Lay it on the altar. And I don't know how long, but it must have been still daylight. The birds were coming down to try to pick up. And Abram had to guard that sacrifice. Wait on the Lord. Just like those 120 waited on the Holy Spirit. Praying, seeking God's face. And I want to urge you. Wait on the Lord. If you're seeking a greater fire from God to come down into your heart and the Holy Spirit to take more control over your life, have the faith of Abraham and take those things that God is calling you to give up. Lay them on the altar and then guard. The birds of the prey will come and try to take them away. Satan will come and try to say, it doesn't matter ah it doesn't matter it's just a little thing who cares that little thing that the lord is calling you to give up oh well it's a little thing it's just a bird it's just a half of a goat but abraham guarded it because he was vigilant about what he had given to the lord god came with fire and made a covenant and he's waiting to do that with each one of you coming with the Holy Spirit, making that promise personal, the promise that Jesus promised, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. I, I was just listening this morning, and that's why my heart is just filled with these words to share with you. I was listening this morning to Brother Dan Shetler share a word at Beaver Springs. And I was so um, moved deeply in my heart as he shared how much we need the Holy Spirit every day in our life. And our life is a struggle of righteousness, a struggle which will always fail us unless we have His help. But with His help, when He comes to live within us, we have a helper. And the struggle, there's still... A personal effort, but we're not alone anymore. We have help in that time of need. And more importantly, we have God Himself, like Abraham did, as our very best friend, to obey Him in everything as He calls us to. And so I just I was moved, John, as you shared Genesis, the faith of Abraham. To press on and reach forth to those things which we've been called to a greater faith. A faith that grows and continues to follow God in everything he calls us to do. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We submit our lives to you and thank you for giving us your word of eternal life. You have written these things you tell us in Corinthians. As examples for us. And so, Lord Jesus, we looked. Intently at the great law of liberty that you have given us and I pray that as we looked this morning as you tell us in James 1 We would not be forgetful hearers walk out and forget But we would be doers of the word and thereby be blessed with the blessing of Abraham Because he was not just a hearer. He was a doer This man was blessed in his deed and you promised that same blessing of your promise, your covenant to each one of us if we are doers of the word, not hearers only. So give us the strength and thank you for sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, who has not left us as orphans, as just children without a father. But you, you have come Not only to forgive our sins, but to help us live this life as Carrie so beautifully portrayed portrayed to us. We have a helper to run this race and to win. And you have called all of us in our own way to run this race and run it to win.